Good morning. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> I sound worse than I feel, if that makes you feel any better as you listen to me this morning. Um, before I begin the message, I wanted to uh, welcome back, I don't know where they're sitting, but I know they're here because I talked to them, Ryan and Christy Summers, there they are, stand up for a second. Ryan and Christy served for the last year in Peru, and this is their first Sunday back with us. Welcome back to Harrisburg. Um, we're really delighted to have you home. Thank you for serving for the last year, and we're looking forward to hearing uh, some about that in the coming days. I'd also like to take um, a, a moment to share. Uh, several people have asked me in the last week um, about the No-No Clinic project of, of the Zimbabwe Brethren in Christ Church. So I just wanted to give a brief update about that. At the end of 2016, uh, the total that had been received or pledged from individuals, families, or churches for that project was $29,500. That leaves just a little bit under $7,500 yet to be raised in helping the Zimbabwe Church to um, build a medical clinic in an area of Zimbabwe that does not have access to medical care. So thank you for uh, many of you have given. Secondly, on behalf of the staff, of all the staff, wanted to thank you, the congregation, for the very touching concert of prayer um, that we had this past week. And uh, we as a staff want you to know that you touched our hearts deeply by your love and support even as you, in those moments, touched uh, heaven with your powerful prayers. So thank you so much. And we um, just feel really honored to, to work among you. This church family is a gift to each of us on the staff. Let's pray as we come to God's word this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of your word, for the privilege that we have week after week to gather uh, around it and to, um, to hear from you. Lord, we pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would, would fill us anew and, and speak to our hearts. Use your word um, in whatever way that you, you need to in each of our lives. We open ourselves to you just now in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so this morning as we come to the word, I wanted to share... Uh, just a bit about epiphany. Some has already um, been shared this morning, but we're going to start with, um, there's a diagram that Pastor Hank sent me earlier this week that I really like. Um, it looks at the whole church year, the whole year, and um, what the church celebrates. So we have Advent in the anticipation and Christmas in the incarnation and epiph epiphany and revelation and then Lent and the crucifixion, and then Easter and the resurrection, and then Pentecost and the ascension. A full half of the year spent um, on the story of Jesus, and then according to the diagram, the other half, the story of the people of God. Um, you can take that down, Andrea. Epiphany is a Christian holiday celebrated on January 6th, referred to as the 12th day of Christmas. Epiphany Sunday, according to church tradition, falls on the Sunday between January 2nd and 8th, which this year is today, January 8th. 
An epiphany with a lowercase e is a moment of great or sudden revelation. More importantly for us, it's the revelation of the divine. Epiphany with a capital E refers to the revelation of God to the Gentile world through the birth of Jesus and the visit of the Magi recorded in Matthew 2, 1 through 12. <clears throat> We're going to read um, that scripture now. We had a portion of it in the scripture reading this morning, but we'll be reading the whole passage, Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream, not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. William Barclay, about this passage, wrote, When Jesus Christ came into this world, the world was in an eagerness of expectation. Men were waiting for God. The desire for God was in the hearts of men. It was to a waiting world that Jesus came. And when he came, the ends of the earth were gathered at his cradle. It was the first sign and symbol of the world conquest of Christ. I love that line. The ends of the earth were gathered at his cradle. The Jewish priests in nearby Jerusalem, yet they didn't come to see Jesus, the one for whom they had been waiting for generations. But the foreigners from far away Persia came to find and worship the one who had been born the king of the Jews. God's kingdom and rule was for all people. Jesus was welcomed and worshipped by Gentiles from far away, while the followers of God in nearby Jerusalem did nothing but worry, along with King Herod. The manner of his birth, which was humble, the place of his birth, Bethlehem, foretold by the prophet Micah, the timing of his birth at a time when the world was waiting for him, the visitors following his birth from beyond the Jewish world, the gifts that they brought, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, all were part of the revelation of God, of God revealing his love for the world in Jesus Christ. 
to this place of humble birth, visitors, magi, sometimes translated wise men, astrologers from the East came. And in leading them to the birthplace of Jesus, God reveals that his love for the world was for all people. It could have been that just the Jews had come to see Jesus, but in the Magi coming, we see the revelation that God's love was for all people. Epiphany celebrates this revelation. And for churches in the eastern part of our world, as Pastor Hank said earlier, the celebration of Epiphany further focuses on Jesus' baptism, the first recorded event at which God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit were all revealed. God in his voice coming down from heaven, Jesus who was both God and man being baptized, and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. Epiphany celebrates the revelation of God. God has been re revealing himself and his purposes from the beginning of time, from the creation of the world to the end of the scriptures, which end with a book that is even called Revelation. God's nature is always being revealed. His power is always being revealed. His divinity is always being revealed. His love is always being revealed. They are being revealed for one reason, because God wants us to know him, to follow him. Romans 1.20 tells us, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. <clears throat> Think for a moment about things that you've learned of God through his creation. When I was in college, for instance, I worked for several summers at a Christian camp in Maine, several blocks from the ocean. When staff had time off from the almost constant work of camp, we spent a good amount of that time on the beach, whether it was during the day, soaking up the rays and sw swimming in the icy ocean water, or in the evenings, walking along the beach, enjoying the beauty of the waves breaking on the shore. One night, a couple friends and I walked the beach, then sat down in the sand, not talking with one another, just sitting quietly. Usually at night, the moon's light would be reflected off the water. So there'd be moonlight above in the sky and then light gleaming in a line across the ocean. You can picture that, right? On this particular night, the clouds were so heavy that we were in total darkness, no light above our heads, and absolutely no light gleaming across the water, not a single speck of light. And just as I noticed this, God spoke to my heart. He said, just as you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that the moon still hangs in the sky, even though you can't see any trace of it, you can know that I am always with you, even though you may not see me, even though the clouds of life may hide me. God reveals himself to us through his creation. Psalm 19 tells us the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. In the newness of spring flowers and budding trees, in the falling leaves of autumn, in the white snow of winter, in the majesty of mountains, in the vastness of the solar system, 
in the depths of the ocean, in the minuteness of cells, in the intricacies of how our bodies are made, in all these things and more, God reveals himself to us and teaches us truth about himself. God also reveals himself through his word. He speaks to our hearts over and over again through his written word. You've experienced it, I'm sure. Psalm 119, 130 to 135 says, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant, longing for your commands. Turn to me and have mercy on me as you always do to those who love your name. Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. Redeem me from the oppression of men that I may obey your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your decrees. John 20, 31 tells us, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The word gives light and life to us. Stephen Curtis Chapman, a number of years ago, quite a number of years ago, recorded a song called More Than Words. Part of the lyrics of the song say, as I open up this book and read of all the love it took for a holy God to care for man, spirit, help me understand. It's not that it's unclear, it's a letter to children, but Lord, I know it's meant to be much more, more than words, not just letters on a page, more than words, for every line and every phrase was a breath of inspiration from a caring father who gave the gift of his son to prove he loved us more than words. And speaking of a song, God reveals himself also through art, through poetry and story and music and dance and painting and sculpture and stained glass and photography and woodworking and graphic arts and the list goes on. Through all forms of art, God's nature and his love can be revealed with an almost direct connection from our senses to our hearts. And God also reveals himself in prayer. As we pray, he comes to us and speaks to us. Jeremiah 29, 12 to 14 captures this. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. It's God's nature to reveal himself, which is what we celebrate in Epiphany. We celebrate his desire that we and all the world would know him. The English language has one word for the verb to know, but other languages use more than one word. Take Spanish, for example. The word saber means to know a fact or certain information, while the word Conocer means to know a person or persons or to be familiar with a place. God wants us to know him, not head knowledge, saber, as with a fact, but conocer, to be in relationship with him, to be continually growing in familiarity with him. Do you know all that you could know of God? Does he have things yet to teach you about himself, about his ways? I've been walking with the Lord in a close relationship for the past 39 years. I had to do the math 
last night. That's longer than some of you have been alive. I'm still learning to know him. In the last year or so, in, in experiencing the trial of cancer, for example, I learned and experienced things about God that I had not known before. But we don't need only major life events to teach us about God. We need continual small moments, day after day, of seeking him. As I was lying in bed one night this week, unable to sleep in the middle of the night, thinking about Epiphany and this message, praying and asking God what to share, God brought to mind a verse, Hosea 6.3. In the Revised Standard Version, which is how I learned it years and years ago, this verse says, let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going forth is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the rains, as the spring rains that water the earth. The Hebrew word here that's used for press on is the word radaf, which means to follow after earnestly, to pursue, to chase after. It's the same word used in Psalm 23, 6 for follow when the psalmist wrote, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. It's a following with persistence. This verse from Hosea speaks of God's revealing nature. As we seek him, as we follow him, as we pursue him, as we chase after him, the scriptures say that he comes to us as surely as the sun rises each dawn or as surely as rains water the earth. What morning have you ever wondered whether the sun was going to rise? What spring have you ever wondered whether the rain was going to come? They're sure things. As we stand at the beginning of a new year, it seems to me that this verse would make a great goal for us in 2017, that we would know the Lord more and more deeply, that we would press on to know him, that we would follow after him, chase after him, pursue him, just as the Magi did all those generations ago. <clears throat> Excuse me. I touched my iPad in the wrong place. I've never done that before. I got there. Thank you. <coughs> George Cowan served with uh, Wycliffe Bible translators among the Mazatec people in Mexico, and he shared this story. He said, I arrived at the Tilapa market in Mexico looking for a guide and a hired man wearing three colorful hats. Wait, excuse me, looking for a guide and he hired a man wearing three colorful hats. He had bought the hats with money earned from selling goods. Wanting to keep them clean and undamaged, he placed them one on top of the other over the other, over the old dingy hat he was already wearing. He says, those colored straw hats would save my life. I made it clear to the guide that I was in a hurry, eager to make it to my destination in one long day rather than the usual two. 
By two o'clock in the morning, we were up and on our way. Without a word, my guide slung our bedrolls on top of his pack, jammed all three hats onto his head, and disappeared into the darkness. Perfect, no dilly-dallying with this man. I finally caught up and fell in line behind him. I could see absolutely nothing in the pitch blackness of a moonless night. Nothing, that is, except the outline of those new straw hats. Soon we were climbing. The trail quickly narrowed until we were on a ledge high on the sheer mountainside. I was puffing and straining to keep up. I heard a noise behind me and turned my head to see what it was. At that instant, I stepped off into space and felt myself falling. Instinctively, I threw my hands out ahead of me into the darkness. Somehow, my elbows caught on a ledge and my body swung in tight against the rock wall beneath. I hung there until the guide grabbed my arms and hauled me to safety. The trail had taken a sharp V-shaped jog. In turning my head, I had taken my eyes off the straw hats and instead of stepping left as the guide had done, I stepped straight into the void. Believe me, after that, I did not take my eyes off those straw hats until daybreak, some four hours later. My guide had been over this trail hundreds of times, so he knew every step, every turn, and every rock. It seemed like he could see in the dark. I, on the other hand, did not know the way. It was far smarter to trust him. So I kept my eyes on those straw hats and waited for the dawn. Cowan then continues, our life going forward is an unknown path. We've never been this direction before, so how can we know the way? God knows, and he sent Jesus Christ not only to show the way, but also to become the way. Put your yourself in the hands of the only available and trustworthy guide, Jesus Christ. You'll find him completely dependable. Put yourself in the hands of the only available and trustworthy guide, Jesus Christ, the love of God revealed. You'll find him completely dependable. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. Let's keep our focus on him as he reveals himself, following his straw hats as he leads the way. Let's let down our guard and open ourselves and set our hearts to listening to his speaking voice as he reveals himself in creation, in art, in his word, in prayer. And hear these words from Ephesians 3 from the message. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength, that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, You'll be able to take in with all Christians the extravagant, extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breath, test its length, plumb the depths, rise to the heights, live full lives, 
full in the fullness of God. God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. My brothers and sisters, let us know, let us press on to know this ever-revealing, loving, powerful, life-changing Lord. God, that's our prayer today, that you would help us to know you more, that you'd reveal yourself to us in new and deeper ways through this year, that we would that we would see you and experience you and learn of you and become more like you. Give us the will that we need to press on. Sometimes we want to stop. We don't want to keep going. In those moments, God, we ask you to help us to press on and to follow hard after you, to chase after you. Thank you that in the following and in the chasing that we find you. So we look forward, Lord, to the ways that you'll speak to us, the things that you'll reveal to us, and the things that we'll learn, the ways that we'll be changed. Lord, we lay ourselves before you again. Do whatever it is that you want to do in us. Do whatever it is, Lord, that you want to do in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.